It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is episode 77 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Okay, I just had a crisis while I said that. What are we hosting? Why are we the hosts? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's just what everyone says. <laughs> Here to this cargo cult. Come, partake. <laughs> Uh, we should define Dave. What is cargo culting? Just so we make sure people get our amazing Car- joke. Cargo culting is uh, goes back to was it World War Two? I think it was. I think so. Where you had these Pacific Island communities that had been isolated from the rest of the world, and the United States Air Force was using these islands as places to drop off equipment, and these cargo ships and planes would just like drop stuff. I think they were like parachuted down. And these people, like, didn't know where they were coming from. But they thought that if they could reproduce the actions that they were doing when at the time these things landed, that they that more would come. Right? Yeah. So they, they formed a whole, they, they, like, like, practice around this. They, they built runways and, and would have people mm-hmm. up on the runways signaling. Um, that's what they saw people doing when the cargo was dropped. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, I think so. So nowadays, <laughs> when you pattern match from someone without knowing why, that's called cargo culting. <laughs> yep. And we are prime examples of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of show is this, Dave, besides cargo culting? <laughs> <laughs> this is a question and answer show for engineers who want to ask about topics that are not technical, such as, should I quit my job? <laughs> it seems to be the number one question we get asked. If our show could be replaced by a magic eight ball, then I think we need to up our game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sources say yes. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read our first question? Yeah, I'll read our first question. This comes from a listener named Neil, who says, I started my first job as a developer two months ago. My boss wants me to give talks at meetups and then later conferences. I have no idea what I can talk about as I am still very much learning. How do I find a topic to research and work on so that I can deliver value to people listening to my talk? Hmm. Wait, you think you have to deliver value to the people listening to your talk? <laughs> uh, just bring some stickers. You've delivered value. <laughs> value delivered. Two, I missed the two months ago part when I was reading this question. That is weird, honestly. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's the one, that's the part of this question that makes it You know, it all two months into first grade, I too was ready to teach first grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, when my teacher asked me to start teaching first grade, two months into my first grade. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, people who are new to software have valuable things to contribute to conferences and to, to others. Uh, often, it's perspective of a new person filter through the lens of your previous experience both the lens of previous experience or the lens of no experience yeah yeah so so both say you were lenses. yeah you you were a school teacher and you have these interesting insights you've uncovered that you think can apply to software or whatever um i think that can be valuable but mm-hmm. often it's not like here's the cutting edge thing that i have built that is going to change your life right, so, right i don't know um so so you can still deliver value it's just a different kind um, but it is weird that, that your boss is pushing you. I have questions that have no answer. Like, are you a dev, are you in dev relations? Um, yeah, like, is this is part this, of your job? 
Yeah, are you are you out to kind of market your product or help recruit or get your company's name out there or does your boss just really like conferences? Do they have a great experience? <laughs> <laughs> or if so, you know, if you are in dev relations, you should probably already have known that this was part of the job description. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm going to guess yeah. he's not in job relations. Our yeah, friend that's Neil. true. Well, you mentioned meetups and then conferences. I think that's that's a a sensible order. Mm-hmm. I have been a meetup organizer for a long time, and I'm kind of like a lapsed one. I, I think my name is still on it, and I just don't help anymore. <laughs> so I'm a deadbeat <laughs> meetup organizer. But Aww. I can tell you, meetup organizers are desperate for talks. Oh, it's... um. After you do it for several years, you've kind of like had all the people speak that you know and and talk to regularly. <laughs> and so yep. you're kind of just searching around for more talks. And the expectation of talk quality is much lower at a meetup. You're, you're like, so like, what are the, what are the criteria? I think the criteria is, for, well, it depends on the meetup. Some meetups are actually mini conferences and they're prestigious. They're usually in like new york (laughs) um but for most local meetups the criteria is you are alive and you say i would like to speak at your meetup on this topic please fill out the following questionnaire place a check mark in the boxes that apply number one i am alive (laughs) (laughs) they're basically like the open access journals of software (laughs) you can you can just come in and and talk and people like good talks but i think people aren't like appalled if it's someone's first time giving a talk and maybe it's not as polished or or as detailed as uh someone more experienced okay so you're saying maybe his boss is not insane for asking him to start out maybe this is part of a five-year plan okay yeah and and they're just laying it on you early (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've we've had people that are new to software give talk plenty of talks at meetups oh yeah absolutely in fact i'd say I'd say a good 50% of the software development meetups I've gone to have had newbies giving talks. Uh-huh. Um, how do you feel as an attendee at those talks? I'm like, I hope there's good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, Neil. We love you. You know, I once heard a, a speaker talking about how to be a good speaker as a developer. And he said, people love the story they already know. And I think sometimes as an experienced developer, even when I'm listening to a very new engineer talk about some topic that I'm already familiar with, it can be just riveting and interesting to hear that story told from a, uh, from the perspective of someone new to the topic. You know, if for no other reason I'm sitting there going, okay, let's see if, you know, if they've stumbled upon, upon something that I am not already familiar with or, you know, just looking to see to calibrate like what does it look like when you've been working with a technology for two years versus two months yeah also i would say the the entertainment the experience people have in a talk is not strongly correlated to technical skill it's much more about presentation skills uh meetup showmanship well yeah i mean it's it's a thing if you can tell an entertaining story you that's basically what you just said right Mm -hmm. no it's not at all what you just said that's what I want you to have said, because then yeah, that would uh, sound smarter. Then, then that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> but if you can tell an entertaining story, I think you have done a good job. <laughs> and if it teaches people about technology, often, how do I say this? I think telling an entertaining story about a topic that people already understand well can shed new light on it, even if that's not a thing you directly say. Yeah. 
No, I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. Um, there's something that happens in my own mind when I'm hearing a highly entertaining talk on a subject. It, I don't know what it is, but it feels different as the information comes in. And it makes yeah, me think yeah. about things differently. Yeah, the way that the information is presented, it, it like makes the people, makes the listeners use their brains more. And then they come up mm-hmm. with the smart stuff and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I we should point out that this industry is growing so fast and the growth is happening. It can only happen at one side of the industry, which is the inexperienced side. You know, you can't, people don't join the industry already experienced just by definition. And so even after a few months, there will still be people who have even less experience than you. And even if they have more experience than you on paper, they might not have experience with the subject that you're talking about. And both of these types of audiences can benefit from what you have to share. Yeah, that's so true. I I feel like I see a lot of things on Twitter that I'm like, well, everybody already knows that. And then they get like a thousand retweets. And there's clearly an audience for things that I think everyone already knows um, <laughs> because I'm dumb. And I, I assume that everyone's brain is the same as my brain. And if there's I like, know a thing, I think there's like a does. subreddit for everything that Jameson thinks you already know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go make it right now. It's probably too long of a name. Yeah. But so, so I think I think you are right there. I also think an evergreen talk topic is project experience, where you just tell a story of here's what we did, here's what worked out, here's what didn't work out, and that doesn't require you to be a, a an expert or to have invented a new technology. You're just giving people really valuable real world feedback about these things that you see argued about on Medium all the time, like. You'll hear your unit tests are the best. Unit tests slow you down. And then if if your company does 100% unit tests, then you can say, here's what we did. Here's what went wrong. Here's what went well. Or vice versa. If you do none, mm-hmm. you can say, here's all the stuff that we regretted because of it. And here's, we, we were able to go faster on these things or whatever. There's there's just things you can mine out of your experience that are that are useful and valuable to people. Absolutely. Another, another, technique i've seen used is um you you pick a narrative uh how do i let's see how do i explain this you pick like a like a guiding metaphor for your talk so Mm -hmm. um i've seen talks that are about like harry potter and javascript or something like that (laughs) or it's just like some interesting thing that gets you excited that's kind of entertaining and then you structure a technical talk around that but you keep coming back to the central metaphor and and again, there, I think the burden of technical novelty or depth of expertise is lower because you're telling an interesting story. Oh, interesting. So you're saying meetups are basically Toastmasters where the content isn't important. It's your presentation style that matters. No, I'm, I'm saying I, I still appreciate just rocking technical presentations at meetups, but I don't think that's my expectation. I go there okay. to meet people and hang out. And if the talks are fantastic, then cool. And if not, I'll just like read Twitter or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I, but I, I won't be like, what? This person did a bad job and I am shocked and appalled. Like it, uh, my first talks were at meetups and they were real bad. <laughs> and I've seen great <laughs> first talks at meetups too, but, but I don't think the pressure is there. Okay. So um, what do you think about this person's boss? based on this one thing that you know do they 
run a conference and this is part of their five-year plan to get more conference speakers <laughs> or meetups is, is it some kind of racket it's a long game <laughs> are you gonna launder money for them or do they want you to speak in an international conference and just bring this briefcase along that <laughs> <laughs> you can't you're not allowed to open <laughs> make sure you speak at this specific conference in switzerland next to the swiss bank and a gentleman will approach you afterwards and congratulate you and take the briefcase. And also take this off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I edited down from this question that I suddenly realize is super relevant is Neil used to be a high school physics teacher. Whoa. That, cool. that is your, your narrative. Oh my gosh. You can, <gasps> you can, you can, uh, you can fill up a balloon with hydrogen and then Boom. light it up. Yes. Is that? Or that's what chemistry teachers do. The physics teachers take the long, the, take the, the string with like the bowling ball on it and make and a big pendulum. It. They yep. pull it all the way back and hold yep. it up to their nose. Yep. Just do that. <laughs> and this is like JavaScript. You see, right now, the pendulum is swinging this way. <laughs> yes. Or or if if you step off your game and move the wrong way, then bam, hitting the nose. Hitting the nose by functional programming. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> um... If you were a high school physics teacher, you have already dealt with the most difficult crowd in existence. So right. developers are usually way friendlier than high school physics classes. Absolutely. They're a way better and audience. I, here's what I think is going on. Your boss says, new developer, physics teacher background. This guy is a goldmine of speaking <laughs> material. No, seriously. I think he genuinely knows that you will shine in this role and he is pushing you toward that. And I wrote down in my notes that either your boss is awesome or insane. And I think I'm going to go on the awesome side right now because your boss is doing a great job of taking your unique background and encouraging you to spread your wings and fly in this industry um, by using that as a springboard. And that's awesome. By the way, you could use springboards as a cool physics analogy as well. Yeah. Just a little physics tip for you there. <laughs> Have you thought about springs? <laughs> yes, Neil has thought about springs yes, more has. than he would like. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if this is actually Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> what? Physics teacher. <laughs> well, then his talks would just be like shaming everyone for yeah. believing in, in, in dreams and metaphor. <laughs> you know that close to the metal isn't a thing, right? because Node.js is several levels of the stack above the metal. And it's not even metal, it's, it's silicon. silicon. Which, yeah. Thanks, Neil. We get it. We get that you like science. <laughs> and that we're a bunch of idiots. Let us live. <laughs> uh, so I, I think this is going to be great for you, Neil. I really gonna do. He's going to send physics assassins after us if it's the real Neil. <laughs> Who use ballistics calculations to assassinate you without firing a gun? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, if I were your boss, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Start with some meetups, get a couple of talks in, use your unique background and the skills that I'm sure you've developed as a teacher, and teach. Use Hybrid up your skills here, and uh, the sum will be greater than the parts. Wait, is it, did I say that right? The, I, the sure. Sum, the to... Uh, I'm trying to get to synergy without saying the word synergy because every time I do, I, I dry heave a little bit. <laughs> uh, synergy is not empirical. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. There you go. I worded. Congratulations. 
I, I would also like to add, does your boss want to give you time on it? Are you doing this for your job or is this them encouraging you to develop your career? If it's for your job, if, if it's, I mean, it can often be a recruiting thing, right? Like come watch my talk and check out how cool I am. And the company is cool by extension. Mm-hmm. If it's related to work, you should see if you can get time on the job to prepare because Absolutely. preparing a, a really good, well-crafted conference talk is a huge amount of work. Some people can just crank them out. Usually that means that their whole job is preparing for their conference talk. Mm-hmm. Other people, I mean, I know I take at least a hundred hours to, to prep what I would consider a polished talk. And wow. I know people that do much more. So it can be a lot of work. Did we even talk about why it's helpful? Should we care about that? Why what's helpful? Like why, why should Neil give talks at conferences besides the boss wants them to? Oh, it's so he can get another job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks boss. Yeah, it kind of is. Thanks to your guidance. <laughs> I found a great job. <laughs> yeah, if I mean, if if someone enters the conference circuit and they give talks that people really like, they will be bombarded with job offers because uh, people confuse giving a good talk with being good at your job. That's right. <laughs> so it's it's great for your career. <laughs> so I have just one more comment, which is uh, after you, let's just say, graduate from giving meetup talks and you want to move on to giving a conference talk. There's a couple of good resources that I would consult um, online to, to try to find the right conference for you. And what you want to do is hit up uh, like papercall.io, which is a newish service that talks or that conferences use to solicit talks from people. And uh, lanyard.com, that's L-A-N-Y-R-D.com. And both of these, look for topic, look for talks that seem to center around topics you're interested in. And then once you find conferences that uh, oh did i say look for talks i meant to say look for conferences that center around topics you're interested in and then once you find a couple try to see if you can narrow it down to a conference that has a beginner track because um sometimes many conferences will have a beginner track where the expectation is that it'll be for new engineers by new engineers and that might be a place where you can get started Hmm. so yeah but the, the bar is definitely higher uh, much higher to get into a conference. You know, even a regional or national conference will be very, very much more uh, difficult than getting into a meetup. Yeah, there's a lot of luck uh, in, mm-hmm. in getting accepted at conferences. It is easier to speak at local conferences than mm-hmm. national or international ones. It's also easier. There are lots of conferences that um, do not pay for speaker travel, which I think right. is wrong, but it Sometimes that means they have a lot of tracks, so they just have a lot of speakers, which again means it's a little easier to get in. So if you're able or if your company is able to pay for your own travel and hotel, that makes it easier to kind of opens yep. up the yep. the number of conferences you can apply to. We did a episode on this. Let's see. Um, episode number six. So go way back. And uh, someone asked about how do I get accepted at, to speak at conferences and how do I give a good talk once I'm there? And you can go sample some of the things we said there. Jameson and I have experience both organizing and speaking at a lot of conferences. I don't know. If you summed up all the conferences that we've spoken at or organized, it would probably be 20, 30 conferences maybe. Maybe. I've, only spoken at, I've spoken at fewer than 10 conferences. I'm not a prolific speaker, but Yeah, okay. 
I've spoken probably around 10. Okay, I think I overstated that <laughs> a little bit. Literally We've thousands. spoken at like hundreds. Yeah, oh yeah, thousands Listen, Neil deGrasse Tyson, that was a joke. And sometimes people say things that are not scientifically 100% true um, <laughs> because they're expressing human emotions that they have. Just like <laughs> people you... like to enjoy things that aren't science sometimes. And it's not like <laughs> if they didn't do those things, they would be doing science. People just like to have fun sometimes, Neil. Let us have our fun. <laughs> tweet storm coming soon yeah the time you're spending having fun you should be doing physics like i can't do physics neil i'm gonna watch the super bowl because i i'm not gonna do physics let me have it please please neil this has been our neil degrasse tyson uh friend of me podcast <laughs> where we try and get him to notice us by making fun of him the great irony is I actually listened to a podcast this week where all they did for the whole show was uh, comment on some tweets by Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's played out. We're yeah. just followers. All right. I will read the next mm. question. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is from an anonymous listener. Neil, we know it's you. Um, <laughs> just kidding. What are some things I can do to try and increase the scale of my annual raise or bonus? For example, if my company averages a 2% raise each year, but I really want a 3% raise each year, how might I go about it? First of all, mm. whoa there, that's a 50% increase. That's right. You're setting your sights a little bit high. Yeah. <laughs> there. You're shooting for the moon. <laughs> yeah. 2.1. Let's be realistic. Yeah, that's a 5% increase. That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> Hopefully these numbers are stand-ins because those are below inflation generally. <laughs> you could just rewrite this question as, my company gives a sub-inflation raise each year, but I'd like to be above inflation. How do I do it? Just barely though. Just barely above inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is a thing we've said a lot, but here it is 100% true. If you would like a 15% raise, then you just quit your job. And you get a different one. Well, you get no, a different not, one no, first. No. There you go. But, yeah. You have to do yeah. that in the right order or else the, the three weeks of lost revenue <laughs> while you're searching yeah, for a job will offset any raise. That's true. But this is a, I think this is a, a problem in the industry that leads to a lot of people job hopping, which is that mm -hmm. raises at work are way lower than raises you get from switching jobs. So people yep. are smart and switch jobs. Yes, they do. That's not, I mean, if you, if you're, if you're not willing to do that though, how do you navigate this, this company structure? Well, at this point with a big company, I would say that you need to understand what the criteria are to get a raise. Now, you know, this oh, listener so, just So said, we know it's a big company because the listener told us they work at a large company. Also oh, the fact yeah. that they have raised targets, that's kind of a bigger company thing. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and so I, I think at this, what you need to do is try to discover what are the parameters of the raise. And if you want to get above the 2% mark for this year, what is it that you need to do? And sometimes that'll be things you have to accomplish on your job. And sometimes it'll be a matter of getting the right bureaucracy stuff checked off the list to get, you know, for example, to move into the next level, uh, according to HR, uh, to move into the next level, you might need to do some bureaucratic stuff, and then that will get you up to the 3% raise mark for this year. 
So that that's the kind of conversation you need to have with your manager or with uh, an HR representative or someone who manages the, the leveling at your company. Hmm. I don't think I've worked at a company large enough to have these formal structures around raises. Yeah, I've only seen them at bigger companies. Yeah. The hope is that they have targets set up that you can hit that motivate people to work harder, do more effective things. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a lot of informal stuff going on behind the scenes, though. Like, does your manager like you? I don't know. Did you get assigned to the fancy project? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you navigate all that stuff? Oh man, it's so hard because the typically companies like this will go to great extent to keep that whole thing secret. And once you enter into a certain level of management, you'll your eyes will be opened to this crazy world of how raises are actually managed at bigger companies. <laughs> and yeah. and yet when you're not in the that inner sanctum. It is just this like closely guarded secret. And I don't know. I really don't know how to find out about it. Hmm. Well, we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to get to the juicy stuff here in a minute. But before we do, one of the things you need to find out is at my current level in big company X, what is my salary range? Where, what is the maximum that you'll pay someone in this level? And what is the minimum? Yeah. And, that's the kind of question you can ask your boss or your boss's boss. And sometimes they just won't tell you. They'll flat out say, it is our policy not to disclose the salary ranges. But what you can do is you can carefully read your boss's body language and say, you throw out a number. Like, let's say you're making, you know, some dollars a year right now. And then you add 10% to that and then throw out that number and say, would this be within my range? And just watch his eyes and watch his, you know, <laughs> watch his hands. And, <laughs> and then and then throw out another one that's 10% higher. Would this be in my range? <laughs> and it, at some point, a bead of sweat will form on the forehead of your boss. And that's where you know that uh, you're getting close to the edge. Okay. How I, We've talked before about asking your, your colleagues about how much money they make. Um, I'll find oh. the link to the episode where we talk about that. Yes, but that's a that's a potentially more truthful way. If I don't know, I hope the boss wouldn't just lie about the range. But well, it's not lying. It's that the HR person told your boss you can't disclose the range. No, no, no. I'm saying, uh, say they give you a range, but you want okay. more info. You could ask your colleagues mm-hmm. and, uh, and and verify. Yeah, so maybe that's the range, but this is what the actual range is, and it could be higher or lower. Um, because it's, it's the real world. Right, right. That's a good idea. Now that can get you in trouble. Although in, in many states, it's not legal to discriminate against someone for disclosing their salary information to their peers. Yeah. It's also legal to fire someone for no reason. So keep (laughs) keep that in mind. (laughs) All you have to say is the reason was not because you disclosed salary. (laughs) That's right. I don't know. Do you think someone would get fired for that? Uh, it depends on how dysfunctional and huge the company is. Yeah. And how uh, how much of a puppet your manager is. Yeah, I guess at a big enough company, you can find anything in a small pocket. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the juicy stuff. These numbers are freaking insanely low. 2 to 3%. Give me a break. The market right now is so good for software engineers. 2 to 3% is just incredibly low. Um, now, if you've, if maybe last year you got a 40% raise, 2% would be fine. 
But if last year you got a 2% and the previous year you got a 2%, you are way behind market. Almost definitely. Yeah. And and the longer you're there, the more behind the market you will be. <laughs> yes. You're racing against time and time is winning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If, if it's a large company, I don't know that you lowly developer can change that culture. I could see maybe a... a, a someone with managerial authority they could establish a pocket in the company that changes that culture mm -hmm. but if you just have to work within it, it then you need you can work without it <laughs> there are things you can do you can you can work extra hard you can bring cookies you can work on the best projects you can make the company tons of money and if that makes them twice as happy and they give you a four percent raise like <laughs> i don't know it doesn't doesn't seem worth it mm -hmm. before the show dave you mentioned um promotion might be a, a way to yeah jump. yeah yeah i was kind of hinting at that with my last comment about the range but maybe mm. you need to find out what the range is for the next level and you need to move up into that range in order to get a bigger bump i worked at a company that was a defense contractor and pretty large um my little office had been acquired as a independent company previously and so that what that meant was we were now subject to the raise policy for the overall company, which was very similar to this. I think they said like anything over 4% for a raise in a given year requires like CEO approval and which is impossible to get, right? Because it's like mm -hmm. 100,000 employees. Like there's no way you're going to get any time with the CEO. Yeah, it's just going to go in a garbage can somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So my managers started setting up mid-year compensation changes. So they would say, all right, we're going to give you 4% at the end of the year. We're going to give you another 4% in the middle of the year. And then we're going to do a little bonus here and there. And they basically made it right so that we could match market rates without violating the letter of the policy. Mm. But then one year, they did actually uh, give me a promotion to the next level, which at the time I had no idea what that even meant. And frankly, to this day, I really don't know. Um, but the promotion came through and they were able to break out of that 4% uh, annual raise cap by doing the, that on paper promotion. So there's a chance your boss could do that for you if you, if you know what to ask for. Yeah, that's true. I like the the advice of finding alternatives, alternative ways to give you money besides raises. If there are bureaucratic things in place that people just are unable or unwilling to work around, you could get better benefits. You could get better mm -hmm. 401k matching. They might have stock mm. options and you can have the raise would be a, a bigger bump in your option grant or something like that. Okay. Um, you could have I don't know. You could you could work fewer hours for the same amount of money, and then it's kind of like a raise. <laughs> maybe more. Maybe give you some vacation credit or something. Yeah, yeah. There might be some ways to dance around it. If 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 this is if the person who's deciding wants to give you a raise, but is prevented from doing so by yes. rules like that. Yes. Um. And I mean, they could always get around them, but they're not willing to like get fired to give you a ten percent raise. <laughs> Although <laughs> I, I will say that of all the things you just listed, like vacation time, four hundred one k's, options, and all that stuff, um, those in my experience have been the most rigidly controlled compensation elements in uh, my experience, and the least likely to be flexible. Um, I think spot bonuses are oftentimes more flexible and your actually your salary is oftentimes more flexible, but like yeah. benefits. No, never. I've never seen a company say, well, because you did a good job, we're going to give you lower health insurance premiums. <laughs> I have seen a company, um, offer to pay more of the premium than they generally pay. Wow. Like on an individual basis. Yeah. Holy cow. I've never seen that. Yeah. But 
I, I, I guess you're right. Like they're not going to switch plans <laughs> that that'll take like months of work <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in a big company for lots of people. So that's true. But maybe the CEO can just add you as a dependent. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm going to pay your taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Is there anything else we should say on this topic? I don't think so, but um, two to three percent is low. That's, I think, the takeaway here in this. Market. Yeah, I hope those are stand-ins for for other numbers and okay. the broader point of how do I get a raise is helpful. But if if those are the numbers, then well, if I've, I've kind of fixated on those numbers, so if they are stand-ins, then there is one more thing I would say that if you want to get X, but you're only going to get Y, um, I would go to your manager and put a plan in place to say, let's say you've got some number in mind for your salary, and say to your boss, what do I need to do to get paid this much money at this company? And I've had people come to me with that question as a manager, and it was great. It does make more work for you as a manager because now you have to actually think really hard about a plan for that person and lay out basically acceptance criteria just like you would a story and say, uh, you know, if you can achieve X, Y, and Z by the end of the year, I will give you this raise. And we've d- I've done that on two occasions, I think, where people actually came to me and said, I want to make this much. What do I need to do to make that happen? And uh, it worked out great for them. Both of them, uh, they were able to achieve it. And so I think in your case, you should come to that, come to your boss with that. And in a big company, you will not be the first person to have done that. And I'm sure they have an answer to that kind of question. Hmm. I like that. That feels like the smartest advice. The rest of the stuff I said was dumb. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> make a plan. That always sounds like sound advice. I can hear my dad saying that. Just make a plan. (laughs) Okay. All right. I think we've helped this person. Okay. All right. Well, where can people go if they'd like to ask their own question? They can go to softskills.audio. That is our website. There is a button on the very top that says ask a question. Fill out a little form. Give us as much or as little detail as you like, and we will get to your question. Thank you so much to the people who have asked them. We really appreciate it. There, It's kind of laying a lot out about yourself to two strangers. And mm-hmm. I recognize that that can be uncomfortable and take effort. So thank you for that effort. Yeah, you try yeah. to be respectful of, of that. What can people do if they would like to support the show? You can send a 1998 Lamborghini Testarossa. Wait, did I? <laughs> is that Ferrari Testarossa? <laughs> to I've never P- heard P- that P- word. Box one. You've never heard Testarossa? No. Okay, hold on. That is, I am correct. That is a Ferrari model of car. Okay. See, I haven't hit that level in my career yet where I oh, care but see, about they, Ferraris. They, they stopped making them in 1996, which I think was when you were in diapers. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> I was nine years old, Dave. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, Ferrari Testarossa was all the rage. Okay. That's all people talked about. Literally nothing else. <laughs> Super Bowl, no. So how does that relate? Well, so you can send us one if you want to support us. Oh, send show. us one. Okay, yeah. That'd be great. I can't really think of anything else you could do. Tweeting about it would be great. Just sharing it with other people. Um, oh, okay. if you If you like it, tell people about it, and they will hopefully start to listen. Asking questions is a good way to support the show, too. That's, that is the fuel that feeds the engine <laughs> that is soft skills engineering. Inside the metaphorical Ferrari Testarossa. We'll catch you next week.